Chapter twenty three of the Queen's Necklace by Alexandre Dumas. The translator is unknown. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gail Timmerman Vaughan. Chapter twenty three The Ball at the Opera. The ball was at its height when they glided in quietly and were soon lost in the crowd. A couple had taken refuge from the pressure under the Queen's box. One of them wore a white domino, and the other a black one. They were talking with great animation. "'I tell you, Oliva,' said the black domino, "'that I am sure you are expecting someone. "'Your head is no longer a head, but a weathercock, "'and turns round to look at every newcomer. "'Well, is it astonishing that I should look at the people, "'when that is what I came here for?' "'Oh, that is what you came here for. "'Well, sir, for what do people generally come? "'A thousand things. "'Men, perhaps, but women only for one, "'to see and be seen by as many people as possible. "'Mademoiselle Oliva!' Oh, do not speak in that big voice, it does not frighten me, and above all, do not call me by my name. It is bad taste to let everyone know who you are. The black domino made an angry gesture. It was interrupted by a blue domino who approached them. Come, monsieur, said he, let madame amuse herself. It is not every night one comes to a ball at the opera. Meddle with your own affairs, replied Beausire rudely. Monsieur, Learn for once all that a little courtesy is never out of place. I do not know you, he replied, and do not want to have anything to do with you. No, you do not know me, but I know you, Monsieur Beausir. At hearing his name thus pronounced, Beausir visibly trembled. Oh, do not be afraid, Monsieur Beausir. I am not what you take me for. Pardieu, sir, do you guess thoughts as well as names? Why not? Then tell me what I thought. I have never seen a sorcerer, and should find it amusing. But what you ask is not difficult enough to entitle me to that name. Never mind. Tell. Well, then, you took me for an agent of Monsieur de Crosne. Monsieur de Crosne, he repeated. Yes, the lieutenant of police. Sir, softly, Monsieur de Beausire, you really look as if you were feeling for your sword. And so I was, sir. Good heavens, what a warlike disposition. But I think Monsieur de Beausire, you left your sword at home, and you did well. But to speak of something else, will you relinquish to me, madame, for a time? Give you up, madame? Yes, sir. That is not uncommon, I believe, at a ball at the opera. Certainly not, when it suits the gentleman. It suffices sometimes that it should please the lady. Do you ask it for a long time? Really, Monsieur Beausire, you are too curious. Perhaps for ten minutes, perhaps for an hour, perhaps for all the evening. You are laughing at me, sir. Come, reply, will you or not? No, sir. Come, come, do not be ill-tempered. You, who were so gentle just now? Just now? Yes, at the Rue Dauphine. Oliva laughed. Hold your tongue, madame, said Beausire. Yes, continued the blue domino, where you were on the point of killing this poor lady, but stopped at the sight of some Louis. Oh, I see. You and she have an understanding together. How can you say such a thing? cried Oliva. And if it were so, said the stranger, it is all for your benefit. For my benefit, that would be curious. I will prove to you that your presence here is as hurtful as your absence would be profitable. You are a member of a certain academy, not the Académie Française, but in the Rue du pot aux Fers, in the second story. Is it not, my dear Monsieur Beausire? Hush, said Beausire. The blue domino drew out his watch, which was studded with diamonds that made Beausire's eyes water to look at them. Well, continued he, in a quarter of an hour they are going to discuss there a little project, by which they hope to secure two million francs 
among the twelve members of whom you are one monsieur bossier and you must be another if you are not pray go on a member of the police oh monsieur bossier i thought you had more sense if i were of the police i should have taken you long ago for some little affair less honourable than this speculation so sir you wish to send me to the rue du pot au fer but i know why that i may be arrested there i am not such a fool now you are one if i had wanted to arrest you i had only to do it and i am rid of you at once but gentleness and persuasion are my maxims oh i know now said bossier you are the man that was on the sofa two hours ago what sofa never mind you have induced me to go and if you are sending a gallant man into harm you will pay for it some day be tranquil said the blue domino laughing by sending you there i give you one hundred thousand francs at least for you know the rule of this society is that whoever is absent loses his share well then good-bye said bossier and vanished the blue domino took possession of oliva's arm left at liberty by bossier now said she i have let you manage poor bossier at your ease but i warn you you will find me not so easy to talk over therefore find something pretty to say to me or i know nothing prettier than your own history dear mademoiselle nicole said he pressing the pretty round arm of the little woman who uttered a cry at hearing herself so addressed but recovering herself with marvellous quickness said oh mon dieu what a name is it i whom you call nicole if so you are wrong for that is not my name at present i know that you call yourself oliva but we will talk afterwards of oliva at present i want to speak of nicole have you forgotten the time when you bore that name i do not believe it my dear child for the name that one bears as a young girl is ever the one enshrined in the heart although one may have been forced to take another to hide the first poor oliva happy nicole why do you say poor oliva do you not think me happy it would be difficult to be happy with a man like bossier oliva sighed and said indeed i am not you love him however a little if you do not love him much leave him no why not because i should no sooner have done so than i should regret it do you think so i am afraid i should what could you have to regard in a drunkard a gambler a man who beats you and a blackleg who will one day come to the gallows you would not understand me if i told you try i should regret the excitement he keeps me in i ought to have guessed it that comes of passing your youth with such silent people you know about my youth perfectly Oliva laughed and shook her head. You doubt it? Really, I do. Then we will talk a little about it, Mademoiselle Nicole. Very well, but I warn you, I will tell nothing. I do not wish it. I do not mean your childhood. I begin from the time when you first perceived that you had a heart capable of love. Love for whom? For Gilbert. At this name, Oliva trembled. Ah, mon Dieu, she cried. How do you know? Then with a sigh she said, Oh, sir, you have pronounced a name indeed fertile in remembrances. You knew Gilbert? Yes, since I speak to you of him. Alas! A charming lad, upon my word. You loved him? He was handsome. No, perhaps not, but I thought him so. He was full of mind, my equal in birth. But Gilbert thought no woman his equal. Not even Mademoiselle de Ta. Oh, I know whom you mean, sir. You are well instructed. Yes, Gilbert loved higher than the poor Nicole. You are possessed of terrible secrets, sir. Tell me, if you can, she continued, looking earnestly at him, what has become of him? You should know best. Why, in heaven's name? 
because if he followed you from Tavernay to Paris, you followed him from Paris to Trianon. Yes, that is true, but that is ten years ago, and I wished to know what had passed since the time I ran away, and since he disappeared. When Gilbert loved Mademoiselle de... Do not pronounce names aloud, said he. Well, then, when he loved her so much that each tree at Trianon was witness to his love, you loved him no more. On the contrary, I loved him more than ever, and this love was my ruin. I am beautiful, proud, and when I please, insolent, and would lay my head on the scaffold rather than confess myself despised. You have a heart, Nicole. I had then, she said, sighing. This conversation makes you sad. No, it does me good to speak of my youth, but tell me why Gilbert fled from Trianon. Do you wish me to confirm a suspicion, or to tell you something you do not know, something I do not know? Well, I cannot tell you this. Have you not heard that he is dead? Yes, I have, but, well, he is dead. Dead, said Nicole, with an air of doubt. Then with a sudden start, grant me one favor, she cried. As many as you like. I saw you two hours ago, for it was you, was it not? Certainly. You did not then try to disguise yourself. Not at all. But I was stupid. I saw you, but I did not observe you. I do not understand. Do you know what I want? No. Take off your mask. Here, impossible. Oh, you cannot fear other people seeing you. Here, behind this column, you will be quite hidden. I fear that I should recognize you. You. And that I should cry, it is you, it is Gilbert. What folly. Take off your mask. Yes, on one condition, that you will take off yours if I ask. Agreed. The unknown took off his immediately. Oliva looked earnestly at him and then sighed and said, Alas, no, it is not Gilbert. And who am I? Oh, I do not care, as you are not he. And if it had been Gilbert, said he, as he put on his mask again. Ah, if it had been, cried she passionately. And he had said to me, Nicole, do you remember Tavernay Maison Rouge? Then there would have been no longer a Beauceer in the world for me. But I have told you, my dear child, that Gilbert is dead. Ah, perhaps then it is for the best, said Oliva with a sigh. Yes, he would never have loved you, beautiful as you are. Do you then think he despised me? No, he rather feared you. That is possible. Do you think it better that he is dead? Do not repeat my words. In your mouth they wound me. But it is better for Mademoiselle Oliva. You observe I abandon Nicole and speak to Oliva. You have before you a future, happy, rich, and brilliant. Do you think so? Yes, if you make up your mind to do anything to arrive at this end. I promise you. But you must give up sighing, as you were doing just now. Very well. I sighed for Gilbert, and as he is dead, and there are not two Gilberts in the world, I shall sigh no more. But enough of him. Yes, we will speak of yourself. Why did you run away with Beausire? Because I wished to quit Trianon, and I was obliged to go with someone. I could no longer remain à Pisalet, rejected by Gilbert. You have then been faithful for ten years, through pride? You have paid dearly for it. Oliva laughed. Oh, I know what you are laughing at. To hear a man who pretends to know everything accuse you of having been ten years faithful, when you think you have not rendered yourself worthy of such a ridiculous reproach. However, I know all about you. I know that you went to Portugal with Beausir, where you remained two years, that you then left him and went to the Indies with the captain of a frigate, who hid you in his cabin, and who left you at Chandanagore when he returned to Europe. 
I know that you had two millions of rupees to spend in the house of a nabob who kept you shut up, that you escaped through the window on the shoulders of a slave. Then, rich, for you carried away two beautiful pearl bracelets, two diamonds, and three large rubies, you came back to France. When landing at Brest, your eagle genius made you encounter Beausir on the quay, who recognized you immediately, bronzed and altered as you were, while you almost fainted at the sight of him. Oh, mon Dieu, cried Oliver, who are you then who know all this? I know further that Beausir carried you off again, persuaded you that he loved you, sold your jewels and reduced you to poverty. Still, you say you love him, and as love is the root of all happiness, of course, you ought to be happy. Oliver hung her head and covered her eyes with her hands, but two large tears might be seen forcing their way through her fingers, liquid pearls, more precious, though not so marketable, as those Beausir had sold. And this woman, at last, she said, whom you describe as so proud and so happy, you have bought to-day for fifteen louis. I am aware it is too little, mademoiselle. No, sir, on the contrary, I am surprised that a woman like me should be worth so much. You are worth more than that, as I will show you, but just now I want all your attention. Then I will be silent. No talk on the contrary of anything. It does not matter what, so that we seem occupied. You are very odd. Take hold of my arm and let us walk. They walked on among the various groups. In a minute or two, Oliver asked a question. Talk as much as you like, only do not ask questions at present said her companion, for I cannot answer now, only, as you speak, disguise your voice, hold your head up, and scratch your neck with your fan. She obeyed. In a minute they passed a highly perfumed group, in the centre of which a very elegant-looking man was talking fast to three companions, who were listening respectfully. Who is that young man in that beautiful grey domino? asked Oliver. Monsieur le Comte d'Artois, but pray do not speak just now. At this moment two other dominoes passed them, and stood in a place near, which was rather free from people. Lean on this pillar, Countess, said one of them in a low voice, but which was overheard by the blue domino, who started at its sound. Then a yellow domino passed through the crowd, came up to the blue one, and said, It is he. Very good, replied the other, and the yellow domino vanished. Now then, said Oliva's companion, turning to her, we will begin to enjoy ourselves a little. I hope so, for you have twice made me sad first by taking away Beausir, and then by speaking of Gilbert. I will be both Gilbert and Beausir to you, said the unknown. Oh, sighed Oliver, I do not ask you to love me, remember. I only ask you to accept the life I offer you. That is, the accomplishment of all your desires, provided occasionally you give way to mine. Just now I have one. What? That black domino that you see there is a German of my acquaintance who refused to come to the ball with me, saying he was not well, and now he is here, and a lady with him. Who is she? I do not know. We will approach them. I will pretend that you are a German, and you must not speak for fear of being found out. Now pretend to point him out to me with the end of your fan. Like that? Yes, very well. Now whisper to me. Oliva obeyed with a docility which charmed her companion. The black domino, who had his back turned to them, did not see all this, but his companion did. Take care, monsieur, said she. There are two masks watching us. Oh, do not be afraid, Countess. They cannot recognize us. Do not mind them. But let me assure you that never form was so enchanting as yours. Never eyes so brilliant. Never. Hush! The spies approach. Spies, said the Cardinal uneasily. Disguise your voice if they make you speak, and I will do the same. 
Oliva and her blue domino indeed approached. He came up to the cardinal and said, Mask, what do you want? said the cardinal, in a voice as unlike his natural one as he could make it. The lady who accompanies me desires me to ask you some questions. Ask, said Monsieur de Rouen. Are they very indiscreet? said Madame de la Motte. So indiscreet that you shall not hear them. And he pretended to whisper to Oliva, who made a sign in answer. Then in irreproachable German he said to the cardinal, Monseigneur, are you in love with the lady who accompanies you? The cardinal trembled. Did you say Monseigneur? he asked. Yes. You deceive yourself. I am not the person you think. Oh, Monsieur le Cardinal, do not deny it. It is useless. If even I did not know you, the lady who accompanies me assures me she knows you perfectly. And he again whispered to Oliva, Make a sign for yes. Do so each time I press your arm. She did so. You astonish me, said the Cardinal. Who is this lady? Oh, Monseigneur, I thought you would have known. She soon knew you. It is true that jealousy... Madame is jealous of me, cried the Cardinal. We do not say that, replied the unknown, rather haughtily. What are you talking about? asked Madame de la Motte, who did not like this conversation in German. Oh, nothing, nothing. Madame, said the Cardinal to Oliva, one word from you and I promise to recognize you instantly. Oliva, who saw him speaking to her, but did not understand a word, whispered to her companion. All this mystery piqued the cardinal. One single German word, he said, could not much compromise madame. The blue domino again pretended to take her orders, and then said, Monsieur le cardinal, these are the words of madame. He whose thoughts are not ever on the alert. He whose imagination does not perpetually suggest the presence of the loved one does not love, however much he may pretend it. The cardinal appeared struck with these words. All his attitude expressed surprise, respect, and devotion. It is impossible, he murmured in French. What is impossible? asked Madame de la Motte, who seized eagerly on these few words she could understand. Nothing, Madame, nothing. Really, Cardinal, you are making me play but a sorry part, said she, withdrawing her arm angrily. He did not even seem to notice it, so great was his preoccupation with the German lady. Madame, said he to her, these words that your companion has repeated to me in your name are some German lines which I read in a house which is perhaps known to you. The blue domino pressed Oliva's arm, who thereupon bowed in assent. That house, said the cardinal hesitatingly, is it not called Schönbrunn? She again made a gesture of assent. They were written on a table of cherry wood, with a golden bodkin, by an august hand. Yes, bowed Oliva again. The cardinal stopped, he tottered, and leaned against a pillar for support. Madame de Lamotte stood by, watching this strange scene. Then the cardinal, touching the blue domino, said, This is the conclusion of the quotation. But he who sees everywhere the loved object, who recognizes her by a flower, by a perfume, through the thickest veils, he can still be silent. His voice is in his heart, and if one other understands him, he is happy. Oh, they are speaking German here, said a young voice from an approaching group. Let us listen. Do you speak German, Marshal? No, Monseigneur. You, Charny? Yes, Your Highness. Here is Monsieur le Comte d'Artois, said Oliva softly to her companion. A crowd followed them, and many were pressing round. Take care, gentlemen, said the blue domino. Monsieur, replied the prince, the people are pushing us. At this moment, some invisible hand pulled Oliva's hood from behind, and her mask fell. She replaced it as quickly as possible, with a half-terrified cry, which was echoed by one of affected disquiet from her companion. Several others around looked no little bewildered. The cardinal nearly fainted, and Madame de la Motte supported him. 
the pressure of the crowd separated the Comte d'Artois and his party from them. Then the blue domino approached the cardinal and said, This is indeed an irreparable misfortune. This lady's honour is at your mercy. Oh, monsieur, murmured the cardinal, who was much agitated. Let us go quickly, said the blue domino to Oliva, and they moved away. Now I know, said Madame de Lamotte to herself, what the cardinal meant was impossible. He took this woman for the queen. But what an effect it has had on him. Would you like to leave the ball? asked Monsieur de Rouen in a feeble voice. As you please, Monseigneur, replied Jeanne. I do not find much interest here, do you? None at all. They pushed their way through the crowd. The cardinal, who was tall, looked all around him, to try and see again the vision which had disappeared. But blue, white, and grey dominoes were everywhere, and he could distinguish no one. They had been some time in the carriage, and he had not yet spoken to Jeanne. End of chapter 23